Well, last week we looked at a passage that was really hard to follow if you didn't have the background. Well, today's passage is a bit different because what Jesus has to say is clear. But if we know the background, we know how the context of when Jesus said this, then what is clear becomes more clear. It's like someone's gone over the words with a, uh, a felt-tip pen and made them look thicker and then put a, a highlighter over the back so they just stand right out. So we're going to look at this passage, but first I'm going to talk about the festival and then we'll, we'll talk about Jesus leading up to what he said. So this is a festival you may not have heard of. It was called the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, Tabernacles is not a name you come up with very often. You don't come across that. Uh, it means shelters. It was a feast of shelters. And it was one of the big three. We know Passover and we know Pentecost, but this is the other one. This is the Feast of Shelters. And what it was basically... Everyone in the country went on a week-long camping holiday. Now, some of you will like that, others won't. But that's what they did. They'd go out of their houses, and it might just be to the backyard, or because they had the, the flat roofs, they'd go up onto the roof, uh, and they wouldn't sleep in their bedrooms, they'd sleep on the roof, and they'd build themselves shelters. Now, not like the million-dollar things they have at the schools, the covered outdoor learning areas. It was they would just cut branches off the trees, palm branches, um, willow branches, whatever, and then they'd, they'd make a, an awning out of it. And you'd really hope that you had someone like Mark there to set it up because <laughs> otherwise it wouldn't last the week. And so why did they do this? They were remembering back to the time of the Exodus when God was leaving them, leading them from slavery to freedom and they had years, 40 years, in the outback, the wilderness. And God provided shelter for them. And so every year they would remember that God provided shelter for them. And they wouldn't rely on the houses that they'd built or they'd inherited or whatever, all the, the good things that they'd done with their own hands. They'd rely on what God provided. Covered outdoor learning area. But there was more to it than that because it was also the time of the harvest. And if you're my age or older, which is... Most of us, not all. You remember we used to have harvest festivals in church. And once a year we'd bring all the um, farm produce, food, and you'd have a display and you'd celebrate God's goodness in giving us all the, the wheat and the, the pumpkins and corn. And then actually by our time it was mostly tinned goods. But out in the country they'd still do that. And so they'd celebrate that, uh, the food that God provided. And it was a feast. So for that week, they'd not only be camping out and sleeping outdoors, they'd be eating a lot. 
and having a lot of fun. They'd put on their holiday clothes, not their work clothes. And if they could, they'd get to Jerusalem so that they could go to the temple. And in the morning service, the morning sacrifice, they had, they had something else. <coughs> they were celebrating shelter, they were celebrating food, and they were celebrating water. Because without water, what have you got? Nothing. Nothing. Plenty of news articles at the moment about the effects of the drought. And you look and you think, how can you live there? Without water, you can't live. The plants will die. The animals will die. We will die without water. And so they'd celebrate water. So what they did... (coughs) <coughs> they had this huge, well, it wasn't a huge bowl. It would hold 1.4 litres. So it was a fair-sized bowl. They'd fill it up, at the, uh, it was made of gold. they fill it up at the Pool of Siloam, which is underneath the temple, and they'd bring it up. And during the worship service, there, there were bowls at the front and they had a drain. And they'd get the the water from the pool of Siloam and they'd tip it out into the bowl and it would drain away. And they'd celebrate the giving of water. And when they did it, the the band would blow all their trumpets. And all all the people in the congregation would cheer and they'd shout. And then they'd have uh, a bracket of songs... And then there'd be a bit of a pause. And um, then they'd have the morning sacrifice. And then after that, the people in Jerusalem, they'd go through the temple and, and there'd be teachers there speaking about, well, delivering sermons, talking with people about the things of God. And so people would use the opportunity to, uh, to have a bit of spiritual teaching and in the night time, the city would be lit up. Now, before electricity, didn't happen. This was the only time they had, they had special lamps that were only for this festival. And the city would be just a blaze of light so they could party and celebrate. And another thing they did, they would dress up. Fairly simple dressing up. I mean, they would carry along um, a palm branch or a willow branch, or they'd they'd have some, you know, corn pinned to their their clothing or something like that. Might might seem a bit strange, but um, this week when I was in the city, I went past um, Central Station and there were people there selling Australian flags and Indian flags, and then. As I was driving around, I came past the um, cricket ground and there were all people selling Australian flags and Indian flags. And I saw five people walking towards me. They were all dressed as Richie Benno. The same sort of thing. People would get dressed up and, you know, they'd, they'd pin their favourite vegetable to them. Now, that's not as silly as it sounds when you think of what goes on at the cricket. 
Have you seen them with the watermelons on their head? The people in the crowd? Yeah. You get a watermelon and you cut it, you scoop out all the, the red stuff and eat it, and then what's left, you put on your head. Now, that would have been a real big hit at the Festival of Tabernacles. <laughs> that is right on target with what they were... Oh, a great celebration and it keeps the sun off. And it's fun. I knew one bloke who used to do the same with cabbage leaves. Never caught on like the watermelons. <laughs> but it was a fun time. It was a celebrating time. And, um, and so at this festival they were celebrating God's provision, God's care, the way he provided shelter, the way he provided food, the way he provided water. All the time and particularly at the time of the Exodus. But also, those who are more spiritually minded, I don't know, they, they would think too of the way God had described water in the Old Testament and him promising something. Let's have a look at these verses. I've got some to come up on the screen. Isaiah 32.2 Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert and the shadow of a great rock in a parched land. And the next one. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. This is the Messiah. I made him a leader among the nations. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. They will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn who has died. On that day, a fountain will be opened for the dynasty of David and for the people of Jerusalem, a fountain to cleanse them from all their sins and impurity. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running east to west. Half the mountain will move toward the north and half toward the south. On that day, life-giving waters will flow out from Jerusalem, half toward the Dead Sea and half toward the Mediterranean, flowing continuously in both summer and winter. So for a lot of people at the festival, the significance was very spiritual. They were looking for the Messiah the promised one who would give this life-giving water, this refreshment for the soul, this washing away of sins. And so for those people at the, at the, at the service who were feeling spiritually dry, they were feeling that the, the heat of life has sucked all their energy out of them. 
They were looking. They were looking for God to do something about it, to bring the life-giving water. That's what happened every year. This particular year that we're talking about, Jesus' ministry had been going on for some time and people started to think, could Jesus be the Messiah? His teaching is just out of this world. The miracles he'd done, I mean, if he's not the Messiah, could the Messiah do anything more? And so they're beginning to think. Not everyone agreed. Some said, look, he comes from Galilee. He said, nothing good comes from there. They, they regarded Galilee as hillbilly country. So some people didn't. His family weren't very positive. In fact, they, they said, oh, look, we're going down to the festival. Are you coming, Jesus? He said, you're going to make a spectacle of yourself. You might as well do it in front of everyone. And he said, um, no, not at the moment. You go, I'll stay here. And so his brothers went off to the festival. He came down three days later, about halfway through. And he started teaching. You remember they were teaching in the temple and people would come and listen to the various teachers. And they were impressed. They thought, wow, maybe he is the Messiah. Could he be the Messiah? And the religious authorities were not happy with the way the discussion was going because they didn't want Jesus to be the Messiah. So it was very fraught. Are the authorities going to grab him? Are they going to put him to death? This is the situation that we've got. And on the last day, the, last, the seventh day was the, the climax of the festival. And in the temple, when they brought in the water, they, all the other days they'd walk around the, the temple once. The last day they did it seven times. And then they tipped it out. And then they had their bracket of songs. And then there was a pause and everyone was still and everyone was quiet and they were waiting to see before the sacrifice if anything would happen. And it's then that Jesus called out. I should have brought my glasses. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me. Whoever believes in me, let him drink. Oh, thank you. For the scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. They were wondering whether he was the Messiah. He clearly said at this point, yes, I am the Messiah. I am the one that's promised, who will bring you a life-giving water, who will bring you spiritual cleansing from all your sins. 
who will bring you a life-giving drink to refresh you. to cool you, to give you growth. I am the one. He claims that for himself. Now, when I was thinking of this sermon, I was thinking, oh, how should I deliver those lines so that they're really, really impressive? And the fact is, I can't do that. Because those words spoken by me just look stupid. Spoken by anyone, coming out of anyone's mouth, if we said that, you think, you're an idiot. You can't satisfy my needs. Only one person could do that. Only Jesus could say those words and that they were, they were true. They were real. They made sense. They could know it from the way he'd lived his life, the things he had taught them, the miracles he has done. The one person who could actually say, come to me and I will satisfy all your needs. John goes on to say, say, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. And then he says, not at this point, but later on after the resurrection. Now, John isn't just guessing here. Uh, obviously, if you know anything about Scripture, that he was inspired. But apart from that, it's not a new idea. Because we have in Isaiah 44, these four verses. About, um, and Isaiah's um, prophesying to the people of Israel. Now listen, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant. Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. This living water that Jesus says to come to him for, that is his spirit, the Holy Spirit, which we can have inside us. Not just a bowl that will run out, a stream, a never-ending river. Everyone who believes in him Jesus promises to give his spirit. And whatever dissatisfaction you have, 
whether it's dissatisfaction with the way your life's turned out, by who you are, if you know you're not the person you'd like to be. Those living waters will cleanse you. You'll be forgiven. You'll be clean. Just like you've never done anything wrong in your life. In God's eyes. I look around, especially in summer, but I get very dissatisfied. I get dissatisfied in the politicians. I get dissatisfied in the sports people. I get dissatisfied with what's on television. Because I get dissatisfied because I'm looking in the wrong place for satisfaction. Fact is, they're never going to satisfy our real needs. Only Jesus will do that. And we go outside in summer and the sun beats down on us and we, we're really, we lose our energy. We think, well, I can't go on in this heat. I can't do housework. We can't do the gardening. It's just too hot. And life's like that sometimes. We think we can't go on. Things are just too tough. But if things are tough, if we're feeling dry and parched, if we have a longing for something else that can only be described as thirst, we need to go to Jesus. We need to come to him and to drink and to take his living waters. Because when we're tired, he will refresh us. When we're in need of protection, he will shelter us and give us shade. That living water will change our lives. And where there was a desert, there'll be green grass. And there'll be shady trees. And it's so nice if you get under a tree by a river when it's a hot day. That's the life that Jesus has for us. And that's the life that he provides. You know, this, these few verses we're looking at today, they're notorious for bad translation into English. And certainly the one on the screen is a very good translation. But even so, it misses one thing that's there in the Greek. Because when it says come and when it says drink... In the Greek, it's um, present continuous. It's keep on coming, keep on drinking. And that's important to remember. We can never come to Jesus too often. We can never enjoy the benefits of his spirit in our lives too much. It will never dry up. We will never get to the end of it. It's a flowing river, unceasing.
and always there for us. So, if you feel that longing for something more, that thirst for God, that, that need to be cleansed, that need to grow, that need to celebrate and joy, keep on coming to Jesus. Keep on drinking because he will satisfy all your needs. Satisfaction guaranteed. Amen.